We always call Minnesota the state of hockey, and while that's probably a pretty well-justified claim, it's also been a pretty amazing basketball hotbed, especially lately. Just look at a couple college freshmen, case in point, Paige Beckers at UConn, Jalen Suggs starring out at Gonzaga. At the time of this recording, both of those teams are undefeated and near or at the top of their polls. One such product of the Minnesota Hoops system is Rachel Bannum, who's had an exciting basketball and sports journey, but now finds herself back here in Minnesota with our beloved Lynx. She's our guest this week on Perkett Pod. Perkett Pod, sometimes he's at play. Perkett Pod, find out what he'll say. Perkett Pod, who's coming on today. Perk and Okay, back to basketball and one of my faves, Rachel Bannum. But before we get to that interview, time now for Random Ranks. This time on Random Ranks, since we're talking WNBA, how about ranking in order the best WNBA team nicknames in order from worst to best? All right, let's run them down. Number 12, there are 12 teams in the WNBA. The Indiana Fever. (laughs) In the middle of a pandemic, it's just not a word I need to hear, fever, right? I mean, unless Christopher Walken's saying it, I I don't need it. Number 11, New York Liberty. Come on, I don't know. I'd rather you give me death. (laughs) Never mind. Number 10, Chicago Sky. What should we name our team? Looks to the sky. I got it. Number nine, Washington Mystics. More like Washington Mistakes, am I right? Number eight, Dallas Wings. Should we name ourselves after a bird like the Hawks, Blue Jays, Cardinals, Eagles, Falcons? No. How about a bird's appendage? Okay, yeah. Let's go with wings. Number seven, Connecticut Sun. Very bright. Number six, LA Sparks. Out of all the things in Los Angeles, you go with Sparks. Number five, they're getting better. Seattle Storm. Not going to lie, not a bad name. Certainly better than Kraken. Number four, Atlanta Dream. Hard to knock this one. Number three, Phoenix Mercury. I guess heat was taken. I still like it. Number two, Las Vegas Aces. Fitting. It's better than the craps, right? I mean, (laughs) okay, number one. Minnesota Lynx. Had to go with that for segue purposes, frankly. Which brings us to Rachel Bannum. What a joy to catch up with her. I just love her energy. And what a sports background. The pride of Lakeville North, who went on to become the highest scoring player in Gopher women's basketball history. No biggie. I remember when she dropped 60 on Northwestern in one game. Unbelievable. She battled through an ACL injury and then took her game to the WNBA, where she finished her fifth pro season pretty recently, albeit a weird one in a bubble, or I guess they called it the Wubble, at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Here now, Rachel Bannon. I guess, what was the Wubble like? Like, what was it like on the interior of, of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, where the WNBA convened? How, how, were, those, uh, how were those living arrangements and all that stuff? Because you were there for, for, for how long? Almost three months. I think yeah. it was 
yeah, like 84 days or something like that. Um, it was, it's so nice. It's like a college campus. Okay. I didn't know anything about IMG Academy beforehand. So I had no expectations. And I was like, whoa, like middle school and high schoolers go here. That's crazy. It's, it's literally like a, a little smaller college campus. Um, I lived in the villas and oh, like half the league lived in a hotel, which was like across the street. The villas were really nice because it was like a house. So like, I guess families live there during their, while their kids are going to school. So it was just like, that It was like a legitimate house. So that kind of made it nice. So it felt like it was a little bit more normal than like being in a hotel room the whole time. And it was a doggone good season. I mean, for the most part, you, you, I think, I mean, there were some preseason predictors, you know, that, that darn media. Oh wait, that's me. Um, no, I, I, I didn't say you guys were going to finish eighth out of 12, but, but in a lot of ways, the Lynx surpassed many people's expectations. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, before season, we had high expectations for ourselves, but we also knew, you know, that we're a very new team. Of course, come, you know, having Syl, Fee, oh, I know a lot of those people on the team, like we knew we were going to have success, but we didn't know how much success we were going to truly have, especially without having a long enough training camp. So I understand like we surprised people and I think we surprised ourselves in some ways because we fought through a lot of adversity um with injuries especially with still going out I mean you no one thought we were going to do well after that yeah. and that was early on in the season so it ended up working out really well I mean we played really hard so that helps we'll hear much more from Rachel Bannum when Perkett Pod continues but first I want to introduce you folks to a guy that is sitting across from me right now looking awfully dapper by the way <laughs> Michael Bryant thanks so much for being here and joining us on Perkett Pod I am glad to be here. Tell us about yourself. I, I know you're obviously the Bryant of Bradshaw and Bryant. Um, tell us about Bradshaw and Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant is a law firm that does plaintiff's personal injury. We represent people who are injured through no fault of their own, and we also do criminal defense. So we have a full-time criminal lawyer. I've done criminal work since I started with John Bradshaw back in 1991. I still do a little bit of criminal, but for the most part, I do plaintiff's personal injury and represent lots of people in car accidents. Uh, I do a number of cases involving survivors that have been sexually abused. And then we get involved in a number of different personal injury type cases. So you're a busy guy. I try to be. You mentioned Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw from the Pittsburgh Steelers from, from the days of yore, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> no, yeah. uh, not that guy. <laughs> but, but, what, but what about your team? How, how, many, how, many, how many are on your, uh, are on your side there? Well, we have two lawyers in the Minneapolis office, mm-hmm. uh, and then in St. Cloud, we have, uh, there's five of us. So I think total, I have anywhere between seven and nine, depending on how you do the math. And you're a sports fan, too. A uh, very big sports fan. I grew up in Rhode Island, and uh, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, no matter what. And then I moved to Minnesota in 1982 and got infected with, you know, liking the Vikings and, <laughs> and, and caring about the Twins. And, and you played sports, too, growing up, right? I played hockey. Yeah. I was a goaltender. Uh, I played some juniors, and I played... Uh, I was going to play college hockey and then found out there was a lot more to life than stopping hockey pucks. And again, where can people reach you, Mike? People can reach us at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. We uh, have a place you can comment there, and there's also a chat that pops up there. Or they can call 800-770-7008. Great chatting with you. Thanks for being a friend of Perkett Pod here, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Perk and Pod. And it was just nice to have you back home. I mean, that's that's a that was from a fan's perspective pretty awesome because obviously Minnesota is home. And I, I, I guess you know, take it back to the start if you would, because 
Uh, you grew up in Lakeville, is is that right? Is that, is that where home was? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, what? At what? Were you always athletic? I know you had siblings. Were they athletic? How how was that family dynamic when it came to sports and recreation and all that stuff? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's all we did was play sports. Um, both my brothers played college football. My sister's a cheerleader at the U right now. Um, so we just have always been surrounded by sports. Uh, my parents played sports growing up. So the second we got old enough, I think like five years old, my dad got us and my parents got us like basketball, baseball. I played every sport. I played baseball with the boys. Um, you know, we ran track, I played soccer. I did everything possible with my siblings and my dad exposed us to that, um, from an early age. Like we'd be playing hockey in the house. I, I don't know how that we got away with that, but um, they allowed it. So we were just right away, like into sports. We were all like super athletic um, growing up in gym class. Like we won, me and my siblings won like every like physical ed thing that you could possibly win. So I knew right away, like I was going to be pretty good at sports and uh, specifically basketball. Were you fast as a kid? Yeah, I actually was. Like I know now everyone's like, you know, Bantam's not very fast or quick, which compared to some of these gals, I'm absolutely not. You're right, because these chicks are the most athletic people in the world. Um, but I actually was fast. I won all my track meets. Uh, I moved up to varsity track in seventh grade, uh, and I ran track throughout my entire high school days. And, you know, I was actually pretty speedy. You'd be surprised. <laughs> how, how, how long did you do baseball? Because that fascinates me. Because you, you mentioned you were on the boys' teams. Were there other girls doing that in the Lakeville district, or, or were you one of the only? <laughs> I remember only being, being the only girl. Baseball didn't last as long for me because I actually wanted to be a football player. So oh. I, I played football with my brothers, but um, I went to a football camp in Lakeville and I was the only girl out of like 200 boys. And I won the awards on my team. I was MVP and all that stuff. So I was like, I want to play football. And my dad was like, mm, you know, I wasn't really loving it. And me and my brothers played football for hours in our backyard every single day. Um, I could honestly say I like thought I was going to be a football player as much as I thought I was going to be a basketball player. Like, I still kind of wish I was at sometimes, but I just grew around football because my brothers played. My dad loved it. Uh, yeah. So football was my thing. But that was not a deterrent. The fact that you were one of the few, if not the only girls doing this, right. That, that never was like a, a you know, a sign to you like, Oh geez, maybe I, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree here. I applaud that. Like, I, you know, I think that's awesome that you were just like, so what? Yeah, I did not care. I didn't even realize I was only a girl. It didn't matter to me. Like, I knew I was going to beat the boys. Like, I was confident. and I just loved playing sports. It didn't matter to me if it was with girls or with boys. And I was going to be competitive regardless. Yeah. And did, did you – because when the links – I'm trying to do the – I'm trying to do the math in my head as to when the links started versus when you were coming up. Like, were, were the links always a thing? Like, was the WNBA always sort of – out there as something that well once you got good at basketball maybe I should you know I could be a pro someday was that was that a thing for sure I, I mean, remember like my first memory of the Lynx was I think like fourth grade because that's when my aunt got me a Lynx jersey cool and that's like the classic picture of me in the Lynx jersey if you've ever seen her people have seen her on my Instagram or whatever she got me that in fourth grade and that's like when my first memory of it and then I went to a Lynx game I think that same year so that's when I was like oh my gosh like I want to do this. I want to play at this level. Um, and that's when I feel like I really fell in love with like that kind of passion for basketball that I want to like get to this level. 
And the, and I would imagine the better you got, the the more you were into it then, right? Oh, for sure. Once I realized I was like really good, I was like, yeah, this is happening. What kind of player were you as a as a kid? Like, you know, were you were you always like that lights out shooter like you are these days? I feel like I've always been a good shooter, but I think I became a really really good shooter in college. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, I I drove a lot. I did a lot of different things. I kind of just played like at all levels of the game. Um, but I wouldn't say I was a great, like, really great shooter until I got to college. But you, to get to the levels that you're at, Rachel, I mean, you had to be wired with, like, an, an insane amount of drive uh, or, or uh, kind of a competitive fire within you. Would, you. would you classify it as that? Is that something that you have, like, that you kind of just like, I always have to get better or whatever? Yes, 100%. I've been like that forever, especially when it comes to basketball. I spent hours and hours. Like, I, I can't even tell you how much time I put into the game. We played on my driveway with my brothers, and I would cry. I was a sore loser because I was so mad. And then we'd play another game. And if I lost to them, I would cry, and I'm like, we're playing again. Like, we'd be out there until we couldn't see the hoop anymore. My parents were like, all right, come inside. And I would just be so mad. And I did that in every game that we played, football, baseball, whatever. But I just spent so much time, even in high school, I didn't really hang out with friends like that. I was always at Lifetime playing pickup with the boys. Um, and that's just what I did. I did that for hours. And my friends knew that. My parents didn't even care. They were like, all right, see you later, like at bedtime. Because I would just be there all night, every night playing pickup. It was so fun. In, in at Lakeville, were you like a one-sport athlete then? Or did you still do track or something? Or were, was it just poops? Yeah, I still did track. Um, I quit soccer before I got to the high school level because I really wanted to focus on basketball. But I still ran track just to kind of like keep in shape, keep that, just being able to run and all that. But I missed a little bit of track because I had to play. I played at AU as well. Okay. But my dad was like, you're not stopping like running track. Like he was insistent that I had to keep running track. Oh, cool. Yeah. Why? What was that? Why? I don't know. I think he just like likes it himself. Like he enjoys that competitiveness of it too. And he wanted me to continue to get better. And I was good. Like our, our relay team went to state every year. We had, we have like the school records and some of our stuff. So it did make sense, like, why quit if I'm having success? And it wasn't affecting my basketball in any way. If anything, it was making me better. So I was really mad at him at the time. But looking back, I'm like, all right, I get it. Don't you think that that's the case, though? I mean, because there are so many parents these days that are just so hyper-focused on, on specializing. And and I, there's this big conversation about, you know, what's better? Is it better? You know, because you got to keep up with the Joneses. You kind of have to do it year-round if you really want to keep up and stay competitive and be in those elite classes. But to 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 kind of spread yourself out and experience different things, I mean, that doesn't that make you just a more well-rounded athlete and all that stuff, right? Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And I feel like nowadays, like you saying that, like, I feel like kids now don't focus on that. It's all just about the one sport training for that, which I understand to a certain extent, but being able to play other sports makes you more athletic, mm -hmm. make you more agile, better hand-eye coordination, all this different stuff. So I think like that's part of my success is playing all those different sports growing up. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, and then Lakeville, uh, things really took off, it seemed, and, and, uh, and the Gophers were, were the destination. That, that experience was, was tremendous, not just for you, but, but for the U. Uh, and, and how would you describe your college career? Was, was, is it a fond memory, Rachel, or, or are there some things that you wish you had back or, or what? How, how did you like your time at the U? Yeah, really good memories, really, really good memories. Um, you know, our, the only thing that I would say that 
was disappointing was not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. But I'm not going to sit here and say regret anything because I know that I left everything out on the court and did everything um, that I felt was possible. So mm. I had great memories, I had great teammates, good coaches. Um, I had a blast. Even going through an injury, um, I wouldn't take that back. Yeah, that was that was tough, though, when you got injured, wasn't it? Yeah, it was horrible. At the time, it was horrible. It was my first, like, big injury. Um, so I was like, my life is over. You know, I'm never going to play again. You know, the dramatics. But once I let it kind of settle in, I was like, I'm fine. You're going to be fine. Let's come back better. So, was that hard to do, though? Because, yeah, I would imagine that is scary, especially when you haven't experienced anything like that to that degree. And that would have been completely stressful, especially on the trajectory you were on. Like, oh, my gosh, is this now is it just like the timing of this can't can't be worse. Right. It was it was tough because it was my senior year. And I thought, you know, I'm getting ready to get go to the draft, hopefully at the end of the season. And I'm like, wow. Like and then people are like, you should still leave. You'll get drafted. But I'm so glad I stayed because who knows what would have happened. I could have gotten drafted and then just got cut. You know, like who wants someone who's like fresh off an injury? Some teams aren't patient with that. And who knows where my career would be at that point. So I'm really, really glad I stayed. But it was definitely a stressful decision. And, um, yeah, it was scary. All right, we're going to pause it here. We'll hear much more from Rachel Bannum when Perkett Pod comes back. But first we got to take this time to chat with Sean Bernard, who is kind enough to be here with us today. Sean Bernard is, an, is a real estate agent for Edina Realty, kind of a rock star real estate agent, aren't you? <laughs> I have fun, man. That's a, that's the a reason why I'm glad that I did this partnership with you and sponsor your show, is that we both have a similar mindset, that we are going to have a good time. Well, we appreciate you you know, being a friend of, of, of Perkett Pod and, and helping us out in so many ways, but... If you would talk about your your agency and and uh, and what you're able to do as an agent. Well, yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to the homework. You know, doing your homework, doing the research, and I pride myself on that. I learned a long time ago that I'm a big nerd. This time of the year, what I'm really working on is people that are planning three to six to nine months from now. Uh, if people are interested, if it's you or somebody else you know that's interested in buying or selling, give me a call at six one two eight five nine two five nine four. That number is also text worthy. Perk and Pie. What wasn't your decision was uh, what WNBA team would draft you, and that was the Connecticut Sun, and, and you, you landed there. Or, or They drafted you, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, and, and, and you spent a few years there. What, what were – what was – what was I don't even know what town that is. Is that – Yeah, it was in Uncasville. Okay. It's in a casino, Mohegan Sun, if you've ever heard of that casino. I've heard of Mohegan Sun, and, and I, I was familiar with that. I didn't even know, but I couldn't even locate it on a map. I mean, Connecticut's not yeah. that big, though. But I still couldn't at this time. But, <laughs> um, it was good. I loved it. I mean, basketball-wise, I didn't get to play as much. I didn't get to, you know, that, that part was tough, but my teammates were so great. Um, I just had a fun time. Their fan base there is really great. I mean, you know, when you think of Connecticut, you think of basketball. So, you know, that was not lacking in any way, the fans and the support there. So it was good. It was, it was a blessing. I mean, not playing as much was tough, but I just feel like I learned a lot and grew as a person. Was, was that, were there UConn crossover fans then that would go to also the, the, the Sun games as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You oh. saw a lot of people in UConn stuff, and you always knew there's UConn fans because um, we had a player, Morgan Tuck was from uh, Connecticut, played at UConn. 
Kelly Ferris. So whenever they got into the game, the fans would just lose it. So you yeah. like knew who the UConn people were throughout the fan base, like in the crowd. So that was always funny. Yeah, and now you got plenty of UConn players on, on on Minnesota for crying out loud. But but when you when when you got that word that you were coming back home, um, what what was what was the reaction? I I've I heard you say this, but like, can you just describe walk us through that? Like, what how elated you must have been to to be able to to come back to your old stomping grounds to play hoops. Yeah, I was so happy. Um, it didn't feel real at first. I was super nervous because. Um, my agent texted me, he's like, Sharon wants to talk to you. And I was just sweating. Like, I'm like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Like, I'm so nervous. Um, and then Cause at, this, at this point, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, they were the gold standard. I mean, like, and, and in, a, in a lot of ways they still are, but like, like at that time, that was, that was the zenith of things. And like, oh my gosh, what, like, isn't it within the WNBA? Don't they have the reputation of being, oh my gosh, the links are it, right? Yes. Yes. Like, uh, and especially for me, like just growing up watching them, like it's even a higher standard for me. Like I was just like, oh gosh, like I don't want to say anything wrong. I want her to like me. And I've already had a relationship with Cheryl prior to this, but you know, like wanting to actually get on the team and have her like really want me is a different thing. So when we actually went through the process, I think it took like a week or two to like get to whatever with Connecticut and, and Minnesota and all that. Um, I was so, so happy. I could not wait to tell like everybody. And uh, my mom was crying, of course. And, you know, everyone was really excited for me. So it was a blessing. I, I still feel like it's not real at times because we haven't been able to fully play like here in Minneapolis. So when we're actually back in Minneapolis, it's going to be insane. I was going to say, you kind of got robbed of that, didn't you? Like that whole, the... like, ooh, like you signed with the lanes. Awesome. But you don't get to play in Minnesota. I'm like, all right, enough. I yeah. know. And I would, I would imagine Cheryl Reeve was pretty doggone happy to have you on board too. The uh, the, the the season that 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 was the wobble. Do you do you uh, do you think you meshed in well? Do you think it was a good fit in in hindsight having having one year under your belt now? Yeah, for sure. Um, coming into it, I was nervous. Like, didn't know how I was going to fit, and I've never been on a new team because I've been in Connecticut for four seasons. So. It was like the new kid, you know, or like going to school for the first time, that first day at school. I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> goofy, weird, like outgoing person. So I was like, hope they can handle it. And it's it's it was fine. It, we fit right in perfectly. No, I was going to say, knowing some of the personalities on that team. Yeah, that that probably wouldn't rock too many people the, the wrong way. Um, but the, the uh, how about Crystal Dangerfield on a side note that that woman can play basketball. Yeah, she's insane. She, I love her. She's, she's great. She's a little fireball. She's tiny. You just want to like hold her in your arms. Like she's just so cute, but she just has this fire inside of her. That's just so fun to be around and to watch her play and be successful was really cool. Yeah. And it just seemed like um, at least down the stretch and in the postseason, it just seemed like every night that you played, there was somebody else leading the way in scoring. I mean, this was not like a one or two person show. This was like a full onboard team that could, that had many weapons to pull weight, it seemed like, don't you? Yeah, for sure. I, I realized that too, because when we were playing other teams, of course, every team is so talented from top to bottom, but when we're playing other teams, we're able to focus in on let's say it's Phoenix, we were able to focus on Diana and Skylar. That was our, that was our scout. We were focusing on them. But I feel like when teams play us, it's totally different. Like they're having to be like, okay, there's Crystal. Okay. Now how are we going to stop Fee when Syl's playing? Like, you're not going to stop her. Good luck. 
And then you have shooters on the perimeter with me. There's Lexi, Bridget Carlton. Like, that's tough. And you could tell, like, teams really couldn't help from different spaces because we're able to expose them in every way. Yeah. I'm curious, how much do you practice your shot, even still to this day? Like, how much are we talking about, like, that, that, are you, that you were just out there shooting and shooting and shooting at the courts of Mayo Clinic or wherever? Yeah. When I'm in training, I try to – I don't count my shots, so it's kind of hard to say. Okay. Unless I'm shooting on a gun, um, like 500 shots, let's say, a day or whatever it is. But um, if I'm just shooting with my trainer and stuff, I'm in there for an hour, two hours. I'm, I'm getting a ton of shots if it's just me shooting. Like, by the end, my shoulders are pretty sore. Um, but, yeah, I work on my shot. Like, no matter how good of a shooter I've gotten to, like, there's still that next step that I need to get to and want to get to, so – it's never ending. It's how do you get, how do you get better? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Cause once you have the form and you've kind of mastered all that, like, how do you, like, how does that improve? Right. Or, or, yeah. or and, and, and on the flip side, can it decline if you don't stay at it? I think it can decline for sure. If you get lazy, I think um, shooters who either get lazy or aren't or get tired your shot can decline because you don't have that stamina to keep your same form, keep your legs under you, do all that. So I continue to work on that. Balance is huge. That's something I work on a lot too, especially because I've had knee surgery. So, you know, you don't want me lean towards my good knee and not my right because then my balance is off. Interesting. Quickness, all that stuff. So there's so much yeah. stuff that people don't realize that you actually can still work on. How, what, what kind of, do you do any kind of thing like out of, out of the box conditioning type stuff? Like when you talk about balance, like are you doing like full on Mr. Miyagi on a rock, one, one <laughs> leg up, like crane moves or anything? Like, or like what is your, do you do any yoga or anything like that? Or what do you, how do you do all that? Um. Well, whenever I work out at Mayo Clinic, I go to the PT side and we work on a lot of balancing stuff. So like, like you said, like not on a rock, but like on a little balancing ball, yeah. and I have to do ropes while doing that, or pass, jump on that one leg from that other leg. So it's kind of stuff like that. Do you, what do you think of Coach Reed? I love her. She's yeah. awesome. She's hilarious. She's so sarcastic. We always call her like the petty queen because she's so petty, but I love that. Like I live for that. Like she's, She's perfect for me. She's special, isn't she? I mean, she's she's obviously had an enormous amount of success and is obviously the general manager for a good reason as well. Uh, but but she she has a, a knack for knowing what works, implementing it, and and creating the right cast to to set it forth in motion. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think Cheryl does a good job of finding pieces. She's not necessarily all about like let me get all these top really good players. Like she actually wants to find pieces that are gonna to work together and create a really good team dynamic. And I think she does a really good job of that. And she's just a really good leader. She's super captivating too when she talks. Like you just feel like you're staring into her soul. Like she's just speaking to you. That's awesome. She does a good job of that. And she does a good job of just being honest. Like she's not gonna sugarcoat things. Um, I learned that quick and I'm actually okay with that because I'd rather you be real with me than to not really know where I stand and be in a gray area. So I really love that about her. That is so true about her, by the way. Um, and, and like, especially, and this year, I think more than any, like her brilliance sort of shined through brighter than ever, because when you think about losing, you know, Waylon and, and Maya and, and Rebecca and, you know, some of the talent that, 
that left for whatever reasons. And then she still was able to kind of like, you know, in a mad scientist sort of way, able to concoct a winning formula was just, I was just like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? I was just like the reverence got even greater for her in my eyes. She's phenomenal. No, when you put it like that, she's insane because I feel like then people could probably be like, oh, she's just, you know, she's a good coach, but she also has these four or five Olympians. But it's like she does the same thing with people you might not even know their name or know where they played or where they came from or their stats. So it's really cool to look at it like both ways. And and not to not to dismiss the talent on this year's team and that that she, she was all her because obviously there's a great deal of talent in the room. But but the fact that she was able to kind of galvanize it, I think, was was pretty remarkable. You know, no rebuild. It was just automatic like refire, kind of like reload or whatever with different talent. Um, do so. Um, I'm curious about the whole Whalen thing uh, since we mentioned her. Like there was, it's just like, and I know you've probably gotten kind of like kidded about this over the years. How like you, there are so many parallels going to Connecticut to start your career, being a you know, prep phenom, go for phenom, then go to the Sun, then come back home as the prodigal daughter or whatever. Like, do, like, do you get tired of all those comparisons, or, or do you like it? And what are you, I, what are your thoughts on her? I don't mind it because it's obviously an honor for me. Um, I'm sure she's like enough, like probably sick of it, but um, it's funny. I love it. I live for it. I know I posted my Instagram. Um, I posted a picture of us on Instagram and I was like, I wonder if Waylon's getting sick of me following her everywhere because honestly it's what I've been doing and I love it. So I'm not getting sick of it. That's awesome. That's it. And do you have a good relationship you two? Yeah, we do. Uh, We definitely grew like a lot. At first I was like so starstruck and obsessed, like, so nervous around her but now it's like so chill like we can have conversation we got dinner one time and you know we talk about like hanging out at her house and stuff like that so it's good it's a good relationship i tell i tell people that the way is like one of the sneakiest funny people i've ever run into do you know what i'm saying she's so like low-key hilarious that it's awesome that's a great way to put it she totally is i didn't know that at first and then when i talked to her i was like Wait, you're kind of funny. It's <laughs> so dry too. So oh, dry. And well, I have to just like look at the gentry videos, and then that's a whole other oh, thing. Yeah. That's, so that's a, right. That's an Instagram thing for those of you that aren't uh, hip to the social media stuff. But um, if, I'm curious. Speaking of social media and social issues and social justice, obviously the WNBA and NBA on the forefront of of so much of what's happening in the world and and even and especially maybe even right here uh in the twin cities you come at this from an interesting perspective i think rachel um and can you tell me your take on this because in in addition um to being part of the black lives matter movement you you also have parents that are are police officers am i right and can you can you talk about that and and your whole take on all of it if i know it's hard to summarize but but if you if you would kind of talk about some of the issues that you've gone through yeah it's it's tough it's it's so interesting because you know like you said like i stand on both sides of it um my dad being black my mom's white both police officers so it's tough because like, I'm not going to sit here and ever say, like, like I still believe in the police force. I still believe there's incredible cops out there. Um, there's obviously, like, bad ones, and there's bad things that have happened, and um, things need to change. Um, there needs to be more resources and all that. Um, but I just think, like, during all this, it's been good because people have been able to actually, like, sit down and have conversations, talk through all this, talk about things. Um, 
but I mean, like you said, it's hard to summarize it all. It's, it's just been crazy. It's been sad. It's been crazy. Um, but I just hope in that like we continue to learn, continue to grow, um, and kind of like mesh things back together. I just don't want there to be hate for black people. I don't want there to be hate for police officers. Um, and like talking to my dad, who's a black police officer, he went through so much racism. He's told me stories. My grandpa was the first black police officer at uh, U of M PD. So I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So run. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny. I was at my grandma's. I read an article that they wrote by my grandpa and he, he went through a lot of stuff on the force. Like just getting out of the force was hard. Um, you know, his colleagues didn't care for him. I mean, there's a lot of issues. So it's interesting kind of looking at it that perspective as well, because it's, it's within and on the outside as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, the best way I can summarize it, I just hope we continue to love each other and listen to each other. And, and like you said, continue to have that dialogue. And, and I think that, that, you know, the WNBA and, and the Lynx in particular, and, and so many teams though really um, have really been at, at the, at the forefront of all of it, because, because your voices and your platforms are so great and, it, and there's just such a great opportunity. And I, and I applaud, uh, professional athletes in so many ways and the way they're handling this. And, but you know, it, it, it kind of hurts my heart when I hear people say, stick to sports. You guys are just athletes. You're just, you played to you're paid to play a game and, and, and yet they're, they're missing out because the, these are the people that can really connect to so many other people and really kind of evoke that change in a lot of ways, I think. Don't you? Yeah, it, it definitely is sad because I understand we're athletes, but we're humans. And I would never say that to somebody else, like in their job, in their settings. I would never say that to somebody else because we all have a right to, to you know, speak about things that we care about and what are important, especially when it comes to human rights. Um, but it is it is really unfortunate, especially a lot of athletes are black athletes. So you're you're trying to shut up, you know, you're, you're going, you're, you're making it worse. You're trying to shut up uh, black people in a minority and, and especially in our league, uh, women, black women. So it's, it's really unfortunate that it has to be like that, but you know, it is what it is. We're going to continue to speak. So it doesn't really matter to us what people have to say about that. Yeah. And do you, do you just shifting a little bit now, like the cold, then there's the whole COVID. Um, and then do you, do you expect the season next year to sort of be more, normal I, I guess none of us really know it's a sea of uncertainty but but are you hopeful at least that the WNBA can get can back up and running outside of the wobble and like actually at Target Center and how how uh how stoked would you be if that was to happen yes I'm very hopeful of course none of us know but even if it's a miniature type of bubble like maybe in cities like a couple cities it kind of be a bubble and hopefully we're in Minneapolis that'd be awesome I would love to play the target center with our fans. I think there's definitely ways that we can make it work, make it happen. So that's what I'm telling myself at least. So I'm very hopeful that that's going to happen. Yeah. When you look around, cause you've been with Connecticut and you've been to every arena in the league, where does Minnesota like the fandom? Cause like we see it here and we realize like, I tell people that are, you know, out of town. I go, you guys don't realize how big a deal the links are in, in this city. Like, you know, there's, yes, they have the, we have all the major sports, but the links are incredibly like much bigger in Minnesota than I think than in other markets. Is that the case or is, or are all markets kind of really awesome? Yeah. Does that no, make sense? 
Yeah, for sure. I would say we're definitely number one when it comes to that. Um, there's some other places like Connecticut has a good fan base. They're pretty diehard. Phoenix has some diehard fans too. But I would definitely say we're number one. Like our fans are insane and there's never issues with filling up that arena and getting people to the game zone. So I'd definitely say we're number one for sure. Do, do you, how do you take the role model part of all your job? Like, you know, saying like, I imagine a lot of kids look up to you and, and what would you tell some of those kids uh, about chasing whatever they want to chase? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great being a role model. I love it. Um, and I love working with kids and, and women and anyone under me. So that's always a blessing um, for kids to like, get to this level or want to get to where I'm at or whatever it is that they want to do, just continue to work hard believe in themselves, confidence is huge. Um, and also just being like mentally strong, taking care of your mental, I think that's huge right now. I think we're it's being in conversations more, which I, I think is awesome talking about that stuff. So um, yeah, and put the time in. Like I said, I spent hours and hours and hours. So that's important. If you think about it, like confidence and believing in yourself and um, you know, don't let others deter you or, or whatever. Those, those are all just so important. Just sort of that, so that self-worth kind of, I don't want to get too deep, but like, it's, gosh, darn it. It's just me. It just, it's so important to kids these days, I think, um, to, for, for these kids to kind of have a, a kind of a, not let the haters hate or whatever, or not let the, the haters are going to hate, but like not let that kind of like seep into your being or whatever. And just kind of like, do you, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And it's hard in this time because of social media and everything. There's so many expectations that kids are having to look at and, and think is real life. And it's like, don't compare yourself to other people. Just be you. Do what you got to do. Um, don't worry about that. Be weird right. about me. You know? <laughs> yeah, I love it. All right. Well, we'll continue to be weird. We'll continue to be ourselves. And we thank you so much for your time, Rachel. So much for, uh, for joining us today via Zoom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for this episode of Perkett Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perkett Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright. Don't be afraid to be weird and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming on today? Woo!